0: And it's Steve Tasker who has been all over
1: the field. Kind of unique. He was kind of a dual role player for you. Steve, a balloon. Steve, a blimp. <laughs> We're not even in the stratosphere of normalcy. All right, here we are, ready to rock and roll again. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. One Bills Live is the show, and a lot of comments from Buffalo's coaching staff. And the general manager, Brandon Bean, today. We will bring it to you through the course of the next two hours and some noteworthy items of discussion. Obviously, the Cody Ford trade, Steve, which happened yesterday after we were off the air, get a fifth round pick from Arizona in exchange for an offensive lineman that was probably going to make the roster. Um, Brandon Bean said he thought that Cody Ford was one of the better performers on the offensive line through the course of training camp and the preseason. So odds are he was probably going to make the roster, but he was not going to start. And Brandon Bean told us today, and we'll hear more on these comments in a little bit, that Cody wanted to be a starter in this league. Brandon felt with all the work he had put in, he deserved that opportunity, but it was not going to happen here. Teams had inquired, about cody ford's availability once they saw he was running on the second team with the bills he said arizona was the most persistent and in the end cody ford goes out to the desert where he'll he will be reunited with fellow oklahoma sooners kyler
2: murray and marquise hollywood brown so off he goes to the desert and for the bills the important thing is they get a fifth rounder in return and and if you look at the history of their fifth rounders it's it's not bad. We got a chance at somebody. You got a chance yep. at a Matt Milano or even uh, – yeah, Khalil Shakir. Khalil Shakir or even Matt Ariza even. So, uh, that's – yeah, it's it's started and it's good that the Bills were going to make that decision. I think if you're willing to do that as a club, make those decisions early, you can get out ahead of it. And teams that are looking for guys will – want to be the first in line, just get the guy instead of waiting for you to cut him or release him or something like that. And I'm not saying Cody Ford was going to get released, but there's no question. uh, In my mind, they were, I don't know, they pumped his tires a little bit. I mean, I was watching training camp, and he looked like he has looked. Um, A little inconsistent. Yeah, but there are flashes of him. He'd take a really good rep, and then then he'd have a bad rep. A little bit of a roller coaster with him. So I'm not... I'm not sure that there wasn't some gamesmanship going on by Brandon, but, but he knows better than I do, so I, you got to take his word for it. Uh, right. I don't know how good Cody for how much he was going to be able to contribute this year, and, and I think Brandon said most of it uh, in his presser today. He said Cody feels like he wants to start. He wants to get on the field, and he's not going to do that here. So we, we acquiesced to his wishes and sent him on his way. Yeah. And, you know, because the guy, guy's not a bad player, but he wasn't, just wasn't quite to the point where he was going to help the Bills this year on the starting five. So give him a chance to play for Arizona and, and get something in return. Do him a favor. Do yourself a favor down the road and, and not hurt yourself too bad in the present. Yeah. Cody Ford moving off the
1: roster saves the team approximately a million and a half on the cap. I asked Brandon Bean today at the press conference if that move was enough because, as we heard him say earlier in training camp, that when they get down to the 53-man roster, he's going to have to make a move to create more cap space because in the offseason, only the top 51 salaries count towards the cap. Once you set your 53, all 53 players in your practice squad and your IR all apply. So that's where it is, and Brandon said uh, he is going to make another move this week. And he said it will be a restructure. Who that will be, we do not know. We know that he's gone down this path in the past to restructure contracts. Who uh, that party is is unknown now. It'll probably be known at a later point in time. So we wait and see what that move is to create the cap space necessary. Bills are about, they were about $5 million under before the Ford move. So it's probably going to be at six and a half or so, but again, that's with just the top 51 salaries counting, so once the final roster is set, or at least they get down to
2: 53 next Tuesday, we'll, yeah. we'll know by then. I, one good thing is, I know we, everybody's wringing their hands over, gosh, who's going to make it, who's going to not, how can we not keep this guy, how can we keep that guy, the, the roster is really good. It's going to be very good, it's going to be very deep. And no matter what good players they let go, you have to anticipate that it's going to happen. I think one of the things you have to keep in mind is um, if they let a guy go, they feel like they're better with the other guy. Um, And that's hard to see. That's hard to hear sometimes, particularly when guys have good preseasons, you know, and you you see guys getting better. They just ran out of time. Uh, in training camp, they couldn't get better fast enough to be on the team and contribute. So, it's going to be a good roster. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch them take the field against the Rams on Thursday night at opening day, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch what I think, and we haven't heard definitively yet. I think it's going to be fun to watch them against the Carolina Panthers because you're going to get. It's going to be one of those typical late preseason games where you're going to get a good look at some very young players. So that's still on the ros- on the docket for this week, and I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it.
1: Among uh, the other news and notes, and, again, we'll get to Brandon Bean's comments in just a second here, Um, Ike Butker is going on reserve PUP. He is the offensive lineman who sustained an Achilles injury last year in Week 16 against the Patriots in New England. And because that was late in the year, um, obviously it's a long rehabilitation from a ruptured Achilles, and Brandon Bean shared today that uh, there's he had a setback in his rehabilitation and recovery. So I asked Brandon Bean what's realistic for Butker, knowing that reserve PUP is not going to be the end for him, which is basically he can't play in the first four games. I think that was a foregone conclusion. Achilles injuries typically take a full calendar year,
3: and yeah, that, he had a setback
1: <clears throat> on top of it. So right. Brandon but- basically said... We think he still has a chance to help us this season, but i got to believe we're talking end of the year, December, yeah, it wasn't January. That, it wasn't
2: very long ago where Achilles' tears were the end, just like knee injuries used to be for athletes, like it was for Gail Sayers way back in the day. Achilles' tendon injuries, you're, it wasn't that long ago, that was a career ender. Done. Thanks for coming by. Seriously. It was you know, so it takes some time. Now they're getting on top of it. Now guys will come back. Kobe Bryant did it, played very well after his Achilles ruptured. Um, you know, O.J. Howard, same thing. He's on the field and running around and, and playing pro football on it. So it has come a long, long way. But, man, oh, man, it is not an easy rehab. And to, to say that Ike Butker had a little bit of a setback, you know, it tells you how difficult it is. I mean, that's it's a yeah. long recovery, a long recovery.
1: It is, and especially when you're playing a position like Ike Butker up on the line. It's not only your 300-some-odd pounds going in one direction off of that Achilles. you got another 300-pounder leaning on you and that Achilles as well. So the thing better be right 110% if you're going to go play football and battle in the trenches every snap. So best of luck to him. Um, but he is out of the equation for at least the first four weeks of the season. That really comes as no surprise. And then there is the Tredavious White monitoring that we've all been keeping an eye on throughout the offseason in terms of his rehabilitation and his progress. And we will we'll let Brandon Bean's comments take over for that first, and then you and I will kind of react to some of that um, Afterwards, and we'll get to that in short order here. We do have some NFL news and notes to pass along to you as well. Bengal safety Jesse Bates, who was franchise tagged earlier this offseason, finally reported to the team today after skipping out on training camp due to failed contract negotiations. This was a peculiar approach, Steve, because as we know, after July 15th, if you've been franchise tagged and you have not reached a contract extension by July 15th, you have to play on the tag or don't play. Like, your options are very limited. And right. for some bizarre reason, after we reached July 15th, Jesse Bates told chose to skip out of training camp. Like, at that point, what are you going to do? You're, you're going to make top ten money this year, sign the franchise contract, and move on and go back into free agency next year or something. I mean – you you really your hands are tied. You're going to get paid right. well. I know you want long-term security, but you're obviously not getting that. They can't negotiate with you after July 15th on an extension. It's over.
2: Right. Uh, I, mean, I think it just comes down to not wanting to go to training camp, and wanting to have the free time himself. I think the thing about it is the thing. He, I don't know Jesse Bates, uh, but to me, it was always much easier and better for a player to. Come in, be in the be in the building. Train, stay in shape, do everything. Go through practice, even if you're not going to play. Even if you're saying, "Listen, I'm holding in." Yeah. Go through it. Stay in condition while you're here with the team. And then, you know, and then if when you when it's time to play, go ahead and play. Bates is like persona non grata. He was gone. I'm I'm out. And then he shows up and then at the deadline says, "Okay, I'll play." It's hard for for me. It, and and I guess you know, it, it's hard to stay in shape. When you're by yourself, yep. and I'm sure I'm not saying he's not working hard and doing all that, but it just seems much easier and much more productive when you just, you know, come in, be a part of the team, and because think about this now: if he's not in tip-top shape and he decides he wants to go out and play, what's he gonna do? Get hurt? He's gonna get soft they tissue. Yeah, joint practices starting tomorrow yeah, against the I Rams. Mean, soft tissue injuries, and if he's worried about getting hurt during training camp. You have less chance of getting hurt during training camp by being in training camp and just standing around watching. Yeah. You know, at least you can stay in shape, get, in, get acclimated, Soon do some meetings. stuff, work yourself into it. Now he's going from being on the couch. Coming in cold. To being on the team and, and everything that these guys have elevated to at the point. And now going into live practices? I mean, I think you're asking for at least a hamstring. Yeah. You know? It just seems like from zero to 100 – that seems dangerous to me, and maybe maybe he's you know doing it. Maybe he's all in shape. Maybe all this is overblown, and yeah. maybe I'm I'm reactionary. But and and you can't live the guy's life for him. If he doesn't want to play for these guys under that tag, I get it. That's that's all you have to say. He's going to handle it the best way he can and make yeah. the best of it. The Las Vegas Raiders are expected
1: to release running back Kenyon Drake. After starting his career with the Dolphins, where he was part of a committee backfield, he played two seasons for the Cardinals before joining the Raiders last year and was seldom used in their offense in 2021. New head coach Josh McDaniels sounds like he's ready to throw him overboard. Um, guy can't even be a backup there to, I don't know, to That's, Jacobs? It's crazy.
2: Yeah, I how do they, yeah, well, we've seen it. I mean, guys just and running they, backs they go are away. expendable in this they go league. Away. We've seen it. Uh, I mean, and and P, I know Bills fans are going to be saying, "Oh, shoot! Now these guys are going to grab, you know, they're going to grab our guy." Yeah. You know, um, Blackshear is going to be a Raider. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what <laughs> you they never think. know. Uh, but I, I've said this to a couple of people so far, and I I like Raheem Blackshear has played extremely well, and he's got some skills. I like the guy, and hope he makes it. Uh I don't know who's going to be jettisoned because of it him making it but you get my point the problem is this and and what you have to take faith in and heart in every team has a Raheem Blackshear every team has this this player on offense or whatever you pick the room but I'm was it running backs they all have this running back that's going man he's pretty good yeah all of them it's not I well. mean Raheem Blackshear is good we've seen it Every team's
1: got one of those guys. Well, I the tell Bills, you, the Bills had one of those guys for the last two years. His name was Antonio Williams. And now Christian is Christian Wade. Now his name is Raheem Blackshear. Yeah,
2: now it's Christian Wade. It's the same, same thing. He he hops probably on. Probably going to be on the practice. Yeah. And, I mean, these guys come along and they're great. They're and they're and they're great guys. Want, they work hard, all of that stuff. But they, there's just, too there's many, there's, many of them. There's not room for them. Yeah, there's too many of them. Supply and demand. And so I and while and this Kenyon Drake, I, I mean, yeah. If you're a running back in the NFL, your only hope to have a really nice career, make a lot of money, all of that stuff, is to work hard every down. That's your only hope. You're not going to last long. Yeah. You're not going to. You're not going to have a 15 year. Al, uh, Frank Gore, I, Al Gore. Frank Gore is an exception to the rule. Adrian Peterson is an exception to the rule. All those got. Europe. It's an eight year max. You got an Every year that eight years, you gotta carry the mail yeah. hard every down. It's a it's a brutal way to make a living. But that's your only hope. Right. So these guys who take their foot off the gas or start squawking about money
1: That's just that's move fine on to the next That's guy. fine, Brie. I got
2: another guy here. Yeah. I got another guy.
1: We have to turn now to general manager Brandon Bean, who addressed the media prior to practice this morning with some updates regarding the Cody Ford trade and Ike Butker. Here is Brandon Bean.
0: Ike Ike will go on PUP, so that'll be one of, you know, we're at 81, so our last move to get to 80 would be uh, Ike will go on PUP, and so we'll leave it at that for now. Um, And then really, as Derek and I were talking yesterday, just, um, you know, I know we traded Cody, so if you guys have questions or whatever, I'm glad to discuss the, the move. Just how you arrived at the decision, Brandon, on Cody. You know what you saw
2: from him in camp, and what ultimately led you to say this is the best thing for him and for us.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not when you when you draft a player, we want to draft, develop, re-sign them. So from that standpoint, um, that's disappointing for me, and and you know, I got to go back and look at at our process. You know, where where that didn't work out, and you know. I know certain things, and so putting it all together, it just ultimately, you know, in my heart of hearts, I wanted Cody to, you know, come in here and, and have his best year in, into his fourth year and make it make a decision to whether we were going to re-sign him or not. But um, I think it just circumstances, you know, Cody really wants to start, and and felt that's that's what he he deserved, and and for us, versatility is very important. Um, you know, and as we pare this down, it just ultimately made the most sense for the Bills and for Cody. Um, you know, a team made an aggressive enough move that I thought it made sense to, to at this point, um, add a pick that, you know, hopefully we do a good job with next April.
4: When you look back at Cody's time, is there any regret or, or wish you, he didn't move around as much and maybe feel that that stunted his development over time?
0: Yeah, I mean, if you look back at his rookie year, John, like his feet moved well. He did a good job. I mean, rookie tackle is a hard – I mean, rookie in general is hard. You see that. Guys develop at different times. You know, we, in our world, we put a lot of expectations on rookies, and they all develop at different times just like each of us doing our own jobs. And so um, some come in right away. You see it with this class. Some come in right away and they just crush it. Others takes them a little longer. The adjustment. You got to remember, these are humans that we're drafting. It's not. It's not Madden, where you got a 90 rating, and every time you turn on the game, he's going to play to the 90 level. And he's got everything's good at home. Everything's good health-wise. And so, I think Cody battled through that year, and he he played. You know, through some injuries, and really did a good job. Um, and then through some other injuries. We did make the move to guard, and, you know, for whatever reason, whether it was putting on more weight, whether it was doing things, it just it didn't transition as well as we thought, or and I'm sure he thought. And, and again, I think there's a lot of factors there. Ultimately, uh, I'm going to look at the things that, that we could have done on our end and more specifically that I could have done. How
4: did the trade kind of – about was it something that it just came together yesterday was were you talking to arizona for days just how did it all kind of come together
0: yeah arizona had asked about him before um and there was a, you know a couple of teams you know as in a couple of weeks ago checking around on him once they realized he wasn't running with the ones you know anymore he was more running with our twos as, as we moved into camp um and you know i think his his representatives, you know, wanted him to start as well and and were feeling interest to see if teams would make a move for him. So there were multiple teams uh, in the last three days that did call about him, um, but I would say Arizona was the most aggressive.
4: So, going back to Ike,
0: he now the season having to miss the first four, at least the first four weeks. Yes. Yep. And then he can start practicing after that. that, was, that yeah, the and yeah, kind of like we were discussing on the side yesterday. So the pup rules are he would have he can't do anything for the first four, and after that, whether it's week five, week ten, whatever, you can start a 21-day window to activate him. After that 21-day window, if you don't put him on the active 53, then they go on IR for the year, and he would he would be done. That's
5: a follow up now but You've already made the decision two weeks before the season on on Ike. Do you have any thoughts on where Trey lands in that situation? Yeah, we're still we're
0: trying to we're trying to run out the clock here um, and make make that move. And so um, this gives us another week to see where he's at. He's doing he's doing well. Um, I I get the angst or the the uncertainty. People and I know people want answers. You know, candidly, we don't have the final answer of, I can't tell you, we're not sitting here but we're going, oh he's going to be here on this date. We, we truly don't know that. If we did, you know we'd, we'd share it. You know there's, again, I think I said at one time, you know, he had this surgery done from not one of our team doctors. And so you're meshing how we rehab people to what they want to see. And so getting that, you have to all kind of collaboratively work together in what's in Trey's best interest before we put him out there. So um, we're going to make sure we're all in agreement that he's ready to start practicing. And we're not just going to say, hey, on a Wednesday, Thursday, Trey, get out there and play him on Sunday. He needs to get his, his when he's out there, You know, these these other guys that are getting ready for the season have practiced a lot and calloused themselves up. We need to do that to be fair to him, too.
6: And the fact that you're taking it right down the
4: wire running the clock out, is that a sign that he's He's within that four-week window, he could be that window.
0: Yeah, we don't want to rule it out at
4: this point. Now that preseason results, you know, mean anything in the long run, but, you know, after a game where you win, score 42 points, uh, you know, with the last preseason game coming up and the roster battle, do you feel like uh, um, the battle for the last spot is uh it is going down to the wire and what can you say about you know the the comp- the intense competition, especially at receiver defensive back, all
0: across? yeah i mean mark we do uh a personnel meeting after after each of these games, and so um you know there's definitely you talk to the position coach, he may rank them like this you talk to the coordinator, it may be slightly different um Sean's maybe a little different, mine, you know, and, and other people. So uh, that shows you how close some of these battles are. And, yeah, I mean, we got to get it to 53. I would say I could tell you we're in the 50s, you know, whether it's 58, 59, like we're in the 50s of there's going to be some – it's coming down truly to this week of practice and also um, one more final test and then, and then we got to, you know, make some decisions.
5: Uh-huh. Somebody like Kobe you probably have to have a lot of faith in who you have in the room behind your starters. Bobby Hart seems to have had a pretty good
0: summer. What have been your impressions of him? Somebody that's, you know, kind of been beaten up a little bit
2: in the media from other fan bases over the last couple years.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I give Bobby a lot of credit. Like, he's, um, you know, when we got Bobby a year ago, he had really, you know, he'd started, I think, 60, you can check my math, I think like 64, 65 games in the league. That's hard to do. Start sixty. I don't care who you're playing for, and but he had been really a right tackle last year with Dion's absence with COVID and working his way back, and we had Spencer who we were trying to develop at right. Daryl was here, so we just were trying to get him on the field. We played him at left. That's a different footwork. That's a different deal. And so Bobby um, had some tough days there, and, and you know, unfortunately, that's. That's what fans see or, you know, whoever's being critical of him. But it's not like he backed down from it and said, I can't do it. He's been – he worked on it last year. You know, he left for a little bit for Tennessee. Um, I think he even started a game for them. Then we got him back. But this year, uh, you know, with with how Cromer's done things, I think he's done a great job of, you know, making him more versatile. And and you've seen him. We've moved him in a guard. And you first put him in there to see what – you know, can they handle it mentally – and and Bobby's done great handling that. And so we look at Bobby as a guy you know who could play, you know, up to four spots. You know, if we need him and I said it earlier, versatility is big. You know, he's he's better at some spots th- than the other, but um, I think Bobby's done a, done a great job and um, like a lot of guys he's he's fighting to make this roster. And you know, we've seen Ike walking around
1: here at camp. Like what is what's realistic for him knowing how late in the season his
0: injury was last year? Yeah, um, I think it's realistic in the season, but I think think he's still – that's why this one was an easier decision. I think he's still – he's going to need some time. Um, You know, he he had a little bit of a setback with his, and so it hasn't been perfect ever since he had that initial surgery. So I think he would be closer. If he hadn't had that, but he still has a chance to play this year. He's done great. Um, he handled it well. That's that's tough when you're you have a, a, a long injury and then you know you have a little setback, you know, in your rehab process. But um, you know, I do think Ike has a chance to help us this year. Anybody want the ask the pulsar Go ahead.
4: Thanks. Um, when Thanks you first. mentioned Thanks. the process of going back through Cody Ford seeing what could have gone differently, what does that look like? Where do you start with that?
0: Say that again now.
4: When you were talking about with Cody Ford, like wanting to look back and see what could have gone oh. differently, just evaluating that, where do you start and what is that process like from your end?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we we go back to was there anything when you draft a player, was there any – did you did you miss anything on the evaluation? Did you miss on anything on the skill set? And did you miss anything on the intangibles, the character, the makeup, all that stuff? Um, and then you know, part of Cody's things, he he had some durability things that you can't help. Like he played, he played through some things, um, and you know he's a tough kid. Like he played, and that's hard sometimes, especially playing O line. You know, his elbow was bothering him. You know, he had, he's had knee, had shoulder. You know, he he's had multiple major surgeries. This was the first off season where he hasn't had you know a big surgery, and so I was. That's why I was hopeful that you know, he would be here and play really well and, and make it a tough decision. But I think there's a lot of things um, to look at. And, again, I would put most of the blame of this on me, not on not on anybody else. So
4: when you look at uh, the back end of the roster and making these final decisions, how much weight do you put on guys who maybe only are special teams contributors versus guys who might be able to contribute more in their position groups
0: offensively or defensively? Yeah, I mean, when you get past your front-line starters, those guys that are we look at as these guys are we, – we expect them to start every week. You know, if you're not starting, you need to be good on special teams. And if it's, if it's close, we're going to err towards a guy who's, you know, a, a dominant three or four, you know, phase special team player. So, we've stressed that. All the way back in June to the guys, um, whether it's young guys coming in or guys that have been career backups fighting to make this team. You know, especially if you're coming from another club, like you know, everyone's got their their differences. But Sean and I are, are very much in, in line that we want to be good. You know, on fourth down and and, and all the, the phases of the team. So um, everyone knows we've laid it out there that that will be a big part of again if you're not a frontline starter of making this final 53.
4: Is Tommy Doyle's injury long-term?
1: Will he have to? Do we have to consider him an IR or anything?
0: No, I don't think so. Um, you know, you can always have setbacks, but I think he's progressing well. He's he's off that that wheelie mobile or whatever he was on, um, which was positive. So, uh, very hopeful to get Tommy back soon. In general, um, how do you feel about your depth along the offensive line? And I'm sure Craig Mann's
4: factors into this with the injury. Yeah, I mean, I
0: like uh, I like the guys. I think we got a good mix in there of um, some vets who have done it. We got, you know, I can't remember the number. We got quite a few guys that are thirty and over, and and people might say, well, that's old. But um, it's also you got to be really sh- really smart and have a great feel for playing a line. And you know, if you look at O lines across the league, it's not always the group that has all the first and second rounders. A lot of guys have been later or undrafted, and just they've, they've always had that chip. They're smart. They always know where their help is. And, you know, I think we've got a lot of different pieces there, Joe. And, again, we've, we've tried to make the group as versatile as possible. And, and um, you know, it as I said with some of the other positions, it's going to be down to the end on, you know, A, how many do we keep and how many um, do we think we can get to practice squad with Greg? Well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see where he's at. He's um, he got his ankle, so um, we'll see how he progresses. And and you know, I don't I don't think we're ready to rule him out of the game. Yeah.
6: Is Jordan still on track health wise for week one? And then where is his contract situation? And those conversations is that still a possibility, or where are things with him?
0: Um, Jordan is is rehabbing well. We're just trying to um, since it's the preseason, trying to be smart with him and and not have a setback. You know, once you start in the season, you slowly your body starts, you know, you're just getting chips and, and you, you're you trying to get yourself as as good as you can. So, we're trying to start him at 100%, you know, not below that. And so, we're probably being a little more cautious than we would – if it was regular season, I think you'd see Jordan, um, you know, he's always played through stuff. I think you'd see him fighting through that. It's more, I think, us just trying to be smart with him. And then, you know, nothing new, um, you know, with, with contract stuff. Brandon, for, last two for Brandon. What, what do
5: you think of, of the spring and the summer from Cody, just from what he did put on what he did how he did perform, um, and how did that kind of go into your decision?
0: Yeah, I think um, I think Cody probably started a little slow, but I think he was trending in the right direction. And I think, you know, the real tests we know come in games and I thought um, I thought his performance week one against Indy was solid, and I thought uh, on Saturday um, he was one of our best. Like, I thought he really he really showed what he can do. Um, you know, but ultimately we were um, – he wasn't going to start for us. You know, we had kind of said this is the group we're rolling with. That decision was made. You know, you want to try and get that group gelling. We were already kind of behind that with – Rogers injury, and then, you know, Spencer's still working his way back. But even, you know, with, with Quez there, just trying to get that group to gel, it's so important. And, um, you know, that that Rams game's getting closer and closer. So, you kind of got to make a decision of, this is who we're going to roll with. and, and um, But that's why I was trying to be patient before we did anything with him, to give him every chance to, to win that starting job. I believe you said
1: before, earlier in camp, that. To get down to your 53, you might have to make a move cap-wise. Does Ford satisfy that to the degree you would hope? No, I'm going to do.
0: Uh, I'm going to do something probably in this week to get that. It it helps a little bit, but it wouldn't get us everything we need. Um, so yeah, I'm probably going to do um, a restructure this week to so that we can give a little bit of padding for the uh, you know replacement costs for the season. Okay. Yep. All right. Thank you.
1: All right, that's GM Brandon Bean addressing the media today. We have to take a break here. When we come back, Steve and I will kind of run down the list of high points from that, and we'll also hear from offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. It's all coming your way next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, Chris Brown, Steve Tasker here with you. And, Steve, we have to quickly discuss what Brandon Bean addressed. I think the most important part was Tredavious White. He said, essentially, they're trying to run out the clock before making a decision on reserve PUP for Tredavious White, which if he is given that designation, it means he is off the table for the first four games of the season. He said... We truly don't know where he's at. He's made great progress, but they, he did not have the surgery performed by a Bills team physician. And so there seems to be a little bit of, I don't want to say disconnect, that's probably too strong a word, but there seems to be some uncertainty in terms of what is truly the definition of he is game ready or medically cleared. Now, we know that this athletic training staff, and this medical staff errs on the side of caution with every player. And for the most part, it has been a successful approach. But I think what was said today, even though nothing definitive was laid down, I don't know about your impression, Steve, but I think week one is is, is, is unlikely at this I'll point. I'll say
2: this. The way that Kyrie Elam and Christian Benford and Dane Jackson – and you know, you, you name it—Cam Lewis, the, the rest of the Taron Johnson. Johnson uh, the way that they have played, I think the the urgency to get Trey back has been eased a little bit. Uh, certainly, they'd love to have him out there, and they're better with him at a hundred percent than they are without him. No question. But I don't think that they're thinking, "Oh my gosh, if he's not in there, we're gonna we're gonna get our heads handed to us." I don't think they believe that. Um, so they might have said, you know what, let's get him 100%. Let's not, let's not rush the timeline. Let's get him 100%. And I, I, that doesn't mean that they're automatically going to put him on the PUP. But remember when they first came here, every decision they made, whether it had to do with the roster or not, they waited until the deadline to do it. They're going to do that with this. and I don't, Whether it means they're not going to put him on PUP or, or it does, they're going to wait until they have to say before they say it. And I'm not saying that you know, they, that they are willing to go into the regular season without him, even if he's close, you know, to being ready. Um, but I do know that you've, they've got to be really pleased with Dane Jackson, Elam, Benford, uh, all these yeah. guys, Taron Johnson. As much Saran as you like to play, Cam you're Lewis. still going
1: to have the potential of two rookies going into battle yes. well, in some pretty – significant game jackson's there he's no rookie so no he's not i'm talking about benford and elam specifically right
2: oh i see yeah yeah whether
1: they platoon or whether it's one or one or the other either
2: way um i'm just saying i i don't think they're wringing their hands over to davis they know he's going to come back and they know he's going to come back and play extremely well and whenever that is they feel like they're going to be fine until he gets back yeah the uh, other
1: bit of news there, nothing new on the Poyer negotiation front per Brandon Bean. He also said that Poyer is still working back from that hyperextended elbow. They don't see any need to rush it right now. They want to make sure he's 100% right before putting him back on the practice field, so that's where that is at. We want to turn now to some of the comments made by offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey, who also addressed the media prior to practice today. Steve and I will comment on the other side of that. Here is Coach Dorsey.
4: So Josh obviously was pretty great on designed runs last year. Uh, He's a pretty good weapon. Do you uh, have in your mind, uh, is there a limit there? Do you... you, want to be more selective than last year on that? What is your attitude about I that? think
5: it's going to be like all of the other game planning that we do. It's going to be based off of a uh, decision we make that week on on kind of how, what the, what we need in order to, to help us win a football game. So I think that's going to be the biggest determining factor for, for us is uh, obviously just kind of that, that mindset and, and that philosophy and then making sure uh, we're putting ourselves and, and, uh, and Josh in the best position to have success for
4: our team. He's also was a, you know, I mean, you might argue he was your best short yardage runner last year. Do you have, do you feel confident that you have other options besides him that are good in short
5: yardage? Yeah, I do, I do. I think we've got, uh, um, we've got a really good group of running backs back there that I think we feel comfortable handing the ball to any of them. Um, and then I think the, um, uh, the ability of our guys up front to, to hopefully get some movement up front uh, and create lanes for those guys is, is going to be key. And, um, you know, I think uh, uh, having an having entire arsenal at your disposal, whether it's a running back, Josh, uh, you know, whatever it may be, um, run, pass, whatever it may be, you know, is, is important on, you know, whether it's short yards, goal line, normal situations, field, red zone, whatever it may be. Continuing with that,
4: you're, you know, the running backs, all three of them, Devin, Moss, Cook. They mm-hmm. all looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. What you know, what do you think of how they've looked and do you have a challenge like splitting up those reps? Yeah, how, how I mean, is that gonna work? No, it's definitely
5: a challenge. I mean it's a good problem to have when you when you've got guys who have performed like they have. It's obviously those three guys you mentioned, but but really that entire room, you know, when you when you talk about uh you know, uh, Duke Johnson and Blackshear and, and all those guys. So, I mean, they, they've all done a great job, and it's been a really good competition between that, that entire room for um, playing time, roster spots, whatever it may be. So uh, I'm excited about it, and I feel very comfortable with whoever's in the game to really operate what we need. And um, the good part about all those guys is, you know, you're not hamstringed into just doing one thing. Hey, you, they can only run outside. They can only run inside. All those guys can do a, a multitude of different things. And lastly, Cooks, let, let's pick up. How do you think, as a rookie, obviously, that's always a mm-hmm. learning curve. Uh, yeah. You know, how do you? Done a nice job. job. He's done a nice job. He's really kind of uh, come in and, and done a great job learning the system, learning our offense, um, you know, learning the ins and outs of it, uh, whether it's the run game, protection game, pass game, and, uh, and gone out and executed and, at a high level and uh, excited about the direction he's going. Got here. We're talking to you about getting with Aaron and Joe, and talking about you know kind of syncing up, right? And you know you've seen in the, in the summer here a lot of your tackles on the offensive line going and play some guard. Versatility's always been important to you. How has that kind of played itself out, and what are the results so far of, of all the tinkering that you guys have kind of done? Yeah, and I think uh, a lot of that tinkering has just been out of necessity through you know guys getting nicked up and and those types of things. So um, it's been it's been really. Beneficial for our depth and those guys' development, because because a lot of those guys were able to work against um, in, in that first group and and against you know one defensive lineman and and that uh, and those guys. So that's really kind of helped their development to create a, a really good um, I would feel like depth for us uh, through that experience. So uh, that that's been important, but also I think at the same time creating continuity of of the guys up front. And getting all those guys back so that they could play together, get a feel for each other, um, so we could really get rolling once the season rolls around is is important too. Have you reached a final decision on your game day
1: location? We had asked coach yesterday, and he kind of punted to you and said whatever you're comfortable with. No, yeah,
5: obviously I've been up in the box the first two games, and we're going to look at it this week, and um, you know probably probably have a final decision on it. You know. Uh, Hopefully this week, and if not after this game. So, I feel comfortable with wherever wherever that decision is. I just want to make sure, you know, um, one, I feel I'm in a good spot to be able to call a game, and two, uh, my communication with Josh and the rest of the guys is is uh, is clean. So that's been that's been the important part about working in the box and working out of the box. You know, uh, um, the past few games because I've been down the field, I know what that's going to be like. So. Um, we'll see kind of uh, um you know, if if this game changes anything. Um but uh right now I feel comfortable with, with whichever one it's gonna be.
4: John said that there's a uh, Sean McDermott gave a heavy fine for any coaches that get a penalty this season and he says it's probably a good thing to keep you in the box. Has he had any say <laughs> in that?
5: <laughs> yeah, well I'm not uh, uh I'd like to think I'm not too much of a psychopath. Like I feel like I'm I'm being made out to be something, but no, I mean Look, I mean, it's a it's a passionate game, and I think uh, um, you know, I mean, it's it's ball, it's football, you know, what I mean. So, I, I, I again, it's just going to be one of those things. I want to do what's best for the team and and what's best for uh, for me calling it. But uh, uh, it probably wouldn't hurt to be up in the box in that regard. <laughs> did you did you feel any different after doing it once and then? In the first game, the preseason game, maybe more comfortable than what you thought it might have been, like what the perception would have been, and then getting to the second week, did that help you a little bit basically? I think the thing that helped a lot is like that first game, it wasn't, you know, uh, it wasn't perfect. We, We had the turnovers. We weren't quite getting in a rhythm necessarily throughout the game. Um, So just kind of battling through that from the box, you know, and having that feeling there, and then obviously last week having a little bit more success and being able to move the ball and then having that feeling up there, you know, it was was really good for me to kind of simulate those two different things and then some of the different scenarios, whether it was a a two-minute drill or a backed-up situation, whatever it might be. Um, those different scenarios that popped up where you kind of got to handle them from the box as a play caller and, and uh, um, that communication I think was, was, was really good for me to be honest with you. So got a, got a much better feel for how that would be just kind of hey, you know, how to get us back in a rhythm, how to kind of um, uh, get us back rolling and, and uh, feeling comfortable again offensively to, to convert first downs and, and drive and score points. Um, when things aren't going great and then when things are going well. So that that was a good experience for me to be up in the box and experience that. All right, that's offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey
1: addressing the media prior to practice today. Said he'll have a decision on where his game day location will be after this final preseason game. Plenty more to discuss for Steve and I when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. The Buffalo Wing Festival will be back at Highmark Stadium over Labor Day weekend with over 75 different styles of wings from 24 eateries, local and from across the country, plus three stages with live music and contests. There's something for the whole family. Tickets will be sold at the gate for $20 and parking is free. Plus kids under eight get in for free. Learn more about visiting buffalowing.com. So that thing's ready to roll. And rock. Have you ever been to that?
2: Yes, but it's been a while. I, yeah, it's I, been a little n- bit I've for me, too. I've never been to it here. Yeah. I've never been to it here. I've been to it when it was in Bison Field. Yeah, downtown. I have Field, been to that. It yeah, It's and, a good time. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I, it's, it used to be... You can try w- kinds of wings that you never, ever had before. Well, that's the, thing, that's the beauty of it. You get... Because everybody's got, you know... Hot regular, medium, yeah. hot medium, mild.
1: This is the gourmet festival, right? This wing-y. is the
2: uh, dry Cajun rub, and the yes, it's very good. Pineapple honey, wings, honey butter barbecue, the yes, the Caesar,
1: Dijon ketchup wings. Yeah, let's Could just go anything. down. We can go down the list. Yeah.
2: But yeah. <laughs> pickled so wings, it, it, it is good. It is, it is good, and it's you know, it's nice to be out and about. And go. Oh yeah! Plus, it's in the stadium, so it's, you, sure. know, you get a chance to get down on the field. Fun stuff. Um,
1: In reviewing the comments from Brandon Bean and from Coach Dorsey, as we mentioned, Coach Dorsey is going to make a decision on his game day location upstairs or down after this last preseason game. He did explain that the reason he's been upstairs the whole time, blue and red practice, and each of the first two preseason games was to gain a little bit more experience up there since the majority of his coaching career he has spent on the sideline on game days. So that makes sense where he decides to be will be interesting. We've heard more than one player say he's got to be upstairs. Because he gets really sore when he when there's a bad call against his unit or something happens and he gets all ticked off and hyper competitive and they're like we we got to get him upstairs. Gabe Davis yeah. said it. I don't know. Josh joked to be about running, it yesterday. Sounds to be a
2: running joke. Yeah. So you'll hear
1: Ken Dorsey today say, I, I feel like I'm being portrayed as some kind. I'm not a psychopath. Right. <laughs> I will say this. W- hey. Go ahead. We saw it at practice. Yeah. Because Coach McDermott purposely throws adversity at the coordinators during the call-it periods so they can make adjustments to adversity on game days. And so he might throw him a curveball and say, oh, yep, 15-yard penalty against the offense. You're now in first and 20. You know, or twenty-five, whatever. Right. And now you got to adjust what your play call would have been.
2: Yeah, he tries. McDermott said he tries to get these guys to every corner of their call sheet during those call it periods, so he'll change it on the spur of the moment and do that. And Dorsey was screaming at him, like, "What? what, what you know, tell me what the down and distance is. Yeah, what's the situation? Right. So yeah, there's that. I, I did think it was insightful in the questioning we heard from just a minute ago. That he said it's really it was really a nice preseason the first two games because the first game they they were turning it over they were getting penalties all kinds of adversity they were they were getting you know they couldn't even get out of their own way in that first game and he had to handle it from the booth he had to like okay well all right this you know had to try and find a rhythm a try find a rediscover a rhythm to rediscover a rhythm and then same thing on the the converse side when they're playing Denver nothing could have been better. I mean, everything is clicking on all cylinders. They had to conjure up a way to punt at the end of the game. I yeah. mean, good grief. It's like fourth and inches at midfield, and they're like, ah, we're going to punt it. Like they don't, They're not going to do that. But that's how good it was going. So he had both extremes sitting up in the booth realizing how it was going to happen. And what it is, it's not so much about you sitting up there and seeing everything. It's about communicating. What are the, can you get Josh on the phone on the sidelines between series? Like, hey, what are you saying? Or in this case, it would have been Keenan. On the sidelines, what are you thinking? What are you seeing? How would it feel? Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm seeing. And making sure that those guys on the sideline who are struggling just like you are in the booth, you give them some communication to start giving them a plan so they can get their mind around it and start playing better. I thought that was insightful of him to know that that's what you kind of got to go through in the booth to make sure you're ready for what happens in the regular season.
1: Yeah. One other housekeeping note, Tommy Doyle's foot injury, not considered a long-term thing. Uh, So he is expected to be back soon. And then another bit of good news, Dawson Knox was scheduled to rejoin the team and practice today. He is in fact doing that. Dawson Knox back with the team after a very difficult weekend after the loss of his younger brother. Um, So, back with the team and you have to believe that his teammates literally put their arms around him when he came back today so good to see him back in the fold and hopefully each day gets a little easier for him and his family we have to take a break here when we come back we will discuss with you more of these topics laid out by the coaches and brandon bean we also want to know what is your bold roster prediction for the bills we're getting pretty close to 53-man roster time. It's a week from today. What is your bold roster prediction? Let us know at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550, or on the tweet sheet at one Bills Live. We're back in a few. Stay tuned. Steve Tasker, who has been all over the field. Kind of unique. He was kind of a dual-role player for you. Steve! A balloon. Steve! A blimp? (laughs) We're not even in the stratosphere of normalcy. Hour number two here on a Tuesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. The Bills roster is down to the required 80 after they traded Cody Ford yesterday and put Ike Butker on the reserve PUP list today. That gets them down to the required 80. And then from here, it's getting down to 53 a week from today at 4 p.m. With that in mind, what is your bold roster move for the Bills? 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550, the number to get on board. Otherwise, you can hit us up on the tweet sheet at one bills live and let's go to the tweet sheet right now steve right now we're going to do it brought to you by corrigan moving systems the official equipment moving company of the buffalo bills joshua leads us off with the following tyler madikavich is either cut or traded. that's his bold roster move all right he's primarily a special teams player cost three and a quarter million against the cap and the linebackers from the 2022 draft class have been playing well the savings have to start somewhere. Can the they, money, the money is the factor right now, Steve. It is a, it, it's going to play a role potentially in some roster decisions. Now we heard Brandon Bean say today he's got to do a contract restructure this week to try to get the the room needed to get just to get under the cap.
2: They're not gonna, they're not gonna cut a team captain from a year ago. I don't think
1: it would be surprising. I think
2: uh, it does make some logical sense, but only and only if Specter and Bernard can play teams. And
1: they ha- And Bernard was on all four special teams units over the weekend. Yeah, so don't... you know they are examining that. They're evaluating him right. from a special teams right. perspective, which you would expect. He was the last pick that, in their draft yeah, class. That's, yeah, it's
2: got to be. He's got to. But, yeah, I, logically, it makes some sense, no question about it. Uh, but I don't know that they'll do that to one of the guys that was a team captain for them, Pro Bowl nominee for them. Well, we we know
1: special teams are enormously important to Coach McDermott. Particularly at
2: this point of the roster.
1: And I think here's another thing we have to consider, too. Coach Smiley is a first-year special teams coordinator. You know he wants to prove himself in year one in this role. I know he's been here for five years, but this is the first time he's in the captain's chair running special teams. I got to believe he wants to keep as many special teams veterans as he can. Don't you? Yeah. I mean, not that he has the final say on that, but you know he's right. going to be stumping for vets on special teams because he wants that unit
2: airtight. Right. Yeah. I, it, it, it does make some sense, but you're right. There's going to be some guys fighting for Matickevich to make the team, yeah. most notably Matt, Matt Smiley. Um, I, see the, I see the logic of it. Yeah. No question, because of the money. Right.
1: Ray on the tweet sheet. Going down that special teams path as well, he said this isn't really that bold, but I think Taiwan Jones could be among the final cuts. Also, he believes another veteran gets traded. Trading is an interesting scenario um, that he brings up. It is a way to alleviate a
2: cap issue. If you feel you need to clear more space. And you get something in return. The problem is and this. And you get something in return. The problem is this, though. all Every team in the NFL is right in the same spot, or at least all the, the teams in the top ten, top five, with playoff aspirations, with a roster that they're ready to go to the regular season with. All of those teams are going to be in the same boat. So unless you've got somebody, another team, one of the, le- the lower down teams, like the bottom ten teams, really covet, there's... There, nobody's going to trade you anything for him because they're just going to wait for you to cut the guy. Yeah, they'll believe you're going to cut the guy if you know, and or they'll wait and maybe they don't get this guy, they'll get another one just like him, a comparable thing, because the market's going to be flooded with quality players. So it's hard to get this stuff done. You got to tip your hat to Bean getting a fifth for Cody Ford. I don't know he was a top fifty pick, top thirty five pick, but. <laughs> I'm so you know that's a team that it's exact it's an illustration of exactly what I'm talking about. Arizona coveted Cody Ford, and three other teams
1: called inquiring.
2: They, he that's had a how market. thin offensive lines are around yeah. the league. So I don't think it's going to be that thin for um, running backs or something like that. The market's going to be flooded with players, so it's hard to start thinking about trading guys right before the final cutdown because the market's going to be flooded with really good players anyway. And nobody wants to give up guys yeah, draft picks. Or draft capital, right. Jack on the tweet sheet
1: says, My bold prediction is the Bills will keep 10 defensive linemen and 10 DBs, not including White. He believes he will be on PUP and only five linebackers. Bryant will be a fifth defensive tackle. Brandon Bryant's had a good preseason. Epinesa and Lawson will be the fourth and fifth defensive ends barring a trade. And both Lewis and Benford will be here as the 5th and 6th cornerbacks, same four safeties, will be here. Um, There's a lot to unpack there, Steve. Let's begin with the breakdown. Ten defensive linemen, ten DBs, and only five linebackers. That is a scenario we actually surfaced yesterday on
2: the show. It's too many defensive players. 25. You're not going to get 25 defensive guys on the roster. And the thing that people forget is the three
1: specialists –
2: that have to be factored right, be, into the equation. Everybody thinks it's going to be 25 offensive and 25 defensive and, and three, three specialists. specialists. It's not. Why not? Explain that. Defense, around the league, defensive rosters go about 22, 23 deep. Those last couple, three spots are always on the other side of the football.
1: Is there a reason that that tends to
2: be the trend? You know, skill players, matchups. They want they want an extra tight end. They want a fullback. They want a you know an extra wide receiver. Yeah. Um that gives you, you know, that gives you an extra wide out. It gives you an extra, and this is on the roster. And that doesn't. And let's remember, a, a bunch of these guys, a handful, are going to be inactive every week. So, usually your defensive roster does not go to 25. It's just the way it is. So, it'll probably be, you got a chance to go 9 D, D linemen, 9 DBs, or even 10, you might 10 be able DBs, to 10. and then go five linebackers but that puts you at 24 that even that's a little fat all right so we'll see um it could I mean you yeah 25 and 25 okay but you know that's rough that means you get six wide outs maybe all right let's talk about this Brandon
1: Bryant as a fifth defensive tackle so that would mean if you're only keeping nine that means you'd only keep four ends I don't know if that's going to be the case um It was interesting that Brandon Bryant was moved up and down the line last week. Played a little end if I remember right. And Coach Frazier had some glowing remarks for Brandon Bryant today, said he's really advanced the mental side of his game, knowing down and distance situations and how to play them. So it's very clear to me that Leslie Frazier is going to be rooting for Brandon Bryant, but he is in a very deep pool of talent there. Ed Oliver. Daquan Jones, Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips, Brandon Bryant would be fifth in that pecking order, no matter which way you slice it.
2: And I don't know if there's room for him there. When you think about it; that's the same thing. They've got an end. They've got Von Miller, AJ Epinesa, Shaq Lawson, Greg Rousseau, and Boogie Basham. That's five.
1: You keep five pass rushers, and none instead of those of five guys. DT's, and none of those guys.
2: You? Yeah, none of those guys move down inside. Right. Shaq, well, no,
1: Shaq does on passing downs. Uh, well, on
2: passing downs, yeah, yeah. fine, but. Yeah, I, well, I don't know. so riddle me this,
1: Steve. If you're keeping nine defensive linemen, where do you keep the extra? Do you keep the fifth at a pass rushing position, or do you keep the fifth at a defensive tackle? Well, position? It's like
2: you said, um, if, if yeah, and if listen, if you're keeping ten,
1: well, if you're keeping nine, where does your preference lie? Five ends and four tackles, or five tackles and four ends? Which
2: which way are you leaning? Wow, well, I I don't know. Brandon Bryant versus what, Shaq Lawson? It's a tough call. I think
1: pass rushers are harder to find than interior players. Yeah. So I would lean towards the pass rusher. That's just me. Yeah. And I'm not even factoring in who we're dealing with here.
2: You're going to put Mike Love on the practice squad. You might have to put Brandon Bryant on the practice squad, and he may not stay there. Yeah. Brandon Bryant will be gone in a heartbeat. Eli might might be that guy. I
1: think Elianku
2: you can keep on the practice squad and not worry about losing him. Right. I don't know if you can say that about Brandon Bryant with the preseason tape that he's put out there. Right, that's the issue. That's an interesting. That's the interesting call because you know all these guys can play at the highest. These guys can play in the NFL and they're going to play this year in the NFL. Somewhere. Let's
1: all right. So now let's address corner under the assumption that let's go on Jack's assumption that Tre'Davious White is on reserve pup. That opens up another spot at the corner position. Where I think we can agree, Dane Jackson, Taron Johnson, Kyer Elam are locks. So, Rand Neal probably is as well after signing the big contract to play special teams. So, that's four corners. And now you have Cam Lewis, Christian Benford, and Nick McLeod. Are you keeping five corners, which means you're only keeping one of those three?
2: I think you're keeping...
1: Are you keeping two of those three?
2: I think you're keeping six corners with one of those corners being get to the mic cam my friend lewis. i think you're picking taking six corners and one of them's cam lewis okay so you're going six corners there and yeah cuz cam lewis will be a a fifth safety and he keep the four safeties
1: interesting that he only recently started lining up at safety in this last preseason game i mean he hadn't lined up at safety in a game ever before he wasn't at safety in training camp out at st john fisher this is a recent move to safety. What yeah. is the angle the defensive coaching staff is playing there with Cam Lewis? Leslie Frazier a, was asked yeah. about it today. He said he wanted to expose him to as much as possible to give him as good a chance as
2: possible to make the roster. How do you read it, though? That could just be a coach. No, I think that's, a, I think that's right. I think they're trying to keep him. I, I think they think he's got, I think that elevates him higher than some of these other guys. When they start moving him around, that elevates his status on the roster. It doesn't do de- you... out value. It. it makes him more valuable because yeah. he's um, athletic enough, smart enough, and committed enough to get good enough at all those spots to be valuable if they need him to get out of a game. I believe it's a two-man
1: decision right now because I believe right now Let's assume, under this hypothetical, that Tredavious is on reserve PUP. Okay. Taron Johnson, Kyrie Elam, Dane Jackson, Saran Neal, and Christian Benford are on the roster. That's five corners. I think they're running Cam Lewis at safety and all the special teams units because it's a two-man competition. They want to know who's the better man, who's the more versatile player. Is it Nick McLeod or Cam Lewis? I think right. it's down to those two guys, wouldn't you say?
2: Yes, I would. And that 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 means, you know, yeah, that means it's Hyde, Poirier, Jaquan Johnson, DeMar Hamlin. Those guys are on at safety. And if and Cam, Cam Lewis, Lewis
1: can prove himself as capable as Nick McLeod at the safety position, I think he wins the job because he can also play nickel and outside. We have right. not really seen McLeod at nickel that's, all
2: that much. He becomes the Ryan Bates of the secondary. He can back yeah. up all five spots.
1: And that's how I think he would make the roster. And then after Tredavious comes back, you figure it out. Right. And who knows? By then, you may have an injury anyway. Right. Or you can, or yeah, exactly. And then that affords you the opportunity. Now you're still keeping four safeties, though. They like DeMar Hamlin and they like Jaquan Johnson.
2: Yeah. Th- these are. And, and it's funny, we're sitting here agonizing over this. DeMar Hamlin and Jaquan Johnson aren't going to see the field. So we well, don't need provided to. Provided Poirier and Hyde are healthy. Yeah, we yeah. don't need to really sit here and sweat buckets over guys that are basically going to play special teams and and contribute in some way but if you're the GM
1: and you're Brandon Bean you can't just think about this year you have to think beyond this year and what Jaquan Johnson has put on preseason tape has been nothing short of impressive and so with that in mind hmm Jaquan's a, a starting he's in the caliber la- he's in the last year of his rookie deal right I mean let's not forget that
2: yeah they're going to lose him it, after are the they se- going to lose him after the season if they if, if things go on unchecked well, he's going to hit yeah. the market. And he's
1: going to want to be a starter somewhere, and somebody will be happy to pay him Absolutely. to be Absolutely. And, and he's not going to make. Um,
2: you may have to be preemptive there if you want to keep him that badly. Yeah, he's not going to make top-of-the-end money, but he's going to make. He'll make good he'll money. Make, he'll make he's, gonna good make eight, he's going to make eight figures. He's going to make, you know, $10 bucks. Oh, you think over, so? Well, all told, yeah. Oh, you mean total value. Of the contract, or yeah, you're not depending saying on the length year. of it, I'll bet he could make. I'll bet he can sign a three-year, twenty-five million-dollar contract. Yes, yes, I think that's possible. He'll sign a Matt Milano a... deal, maybe even more because yeah. he's playing a premier position. Okay, you know what I'm saying. So he's going to hit the market after this year. If um, yeah, unless the Bills unless sign something up. changes.
1: Steve on the tweet sheet says. It's not very bold because 60 guys have the talent to make this team. The boldest thing I can come up with is that both Hodgins and Cam Lewis make the 53. All right, we already talked Cam Lewis, so let's talk Hodgins here, Steve. We see him on all four special teams units last week. No, I take that back. I don't believe he was on kick return. No, he was not on punt return. Punt return. He was on kick return, kick coverage, and punt. He is new to special teams, looks a little bit like a fish out of water. So he's he's working towards that, right? He's trying to show, hey, I can help on special teams. I talked to him after the game on Saturday. said, hey, how are special teams coming? How are the reads going? How are you doing staying in your lane, that kind of thing? He said, I'm really trying to show I can do some other things besides play wide receiver. Um my fear for his sake is that he's run out of time. I don't know. Or it's a tough one enough. I that's the thing. I because Jay Kumaro is a better special teams player, Dundee Lucille. It's just a fact. and and could Hodgins get better in that department? I'm I'm sure he could. but is there enough time left for him to show that? That's the rub for me. I'm not saying he's not capable, but this train isn't waiting. They need capable special teamers today now.
2: He got a break when Marquez Stevenson went down early in camp because that opened up more reps, more playing time. You know, they didn't have to, they didn't have to check on Marquez Stevenson getting better as a receiver. They could concentrate on Hodgins. Um, it has become apparent through the rhetoric coming out of the coach's offices that they had asked him to play more physical, bigger, uh, stronger on the ball, help work as on his a blocking releases, receiver in the run game doing a better job because you know, we've all seen people who watch this team you've seen when the bills are run a run the football kumaro's out there and he's blocking yeah and so they were saying hodgins you know why not you let's see you do that right so that was his task and then as you mentioned he's on punt kickoff kickoff return How'd he do? We have to, you know, you have to go back and look at it. It's really, I think he's up against it. It's a deep room. We know that. It's a room that's heavy in slot receivers, which is what he did in college. But now he's a 6'3", 215 guy. He's not being a, he's not a slot receiver at this level. He doesn't have the explosiveness or the change of direction.
1: And being as deep as he is in the pecking order, he has to show he can do something on special teams you and can't, I don't even know if you've got him. You can't have him ahead of Kumaro right now in terms of special you teams can't ability.
2: Suit up on Sunday if you're going to stand on the sidelines and watch you got to at some point strap it on and get on the field in some way, shape, or yeah. form. And if it's not on offense, it certainly has to be on special teams, and he hasn't done that yet.
1: Speaking of Isaiah Hodgins, he is addressing the media as we speak after practice is wrapped up for the day today. So let's go to the podium and listen to Isaiah Hodgins.
4: What has been the biggest area that you've been trying to work on? How do you go about it?
3: Um... I'll really say just my physicality and uh, really playing to my size. You know, uh, the coaches kind of told me that going into OTAs that, you know, they wanted me to um, play more physical, you know, on the perimeter, and that includes, you know, blocking. But not only just that, but, you know, really when there's a ball and it's a contested catch or it's in the air that is it's, you know, it's my ball or it's across the middle. And, you know, I come down with those tough graphs. You know, I've really been trying to focus on, you know, extending my hands for catches and just uh, contested catches.
5: Basically, uh, Cody.
4: Ford, you
3: know, nothing great things about um, uh, just your perspective your team, uh, here. on Cody Ford yeah um great great dude man um, you know he kind of welcomed me in when I first came in here and uh, we were actually both injured my first year so you know I got to spend the whole offseason with him and uh, you know rehabbing here and so so I really got to uh, get to know him well so uh, he's a great dude and you know I, I wish him the best in Arizona
0: Rehabbing the injuries that overcame everybody talks about stacking
4: easier said than done when you start to do it does it kind of feel like a snowball rolling downhill like in a good way of had a good day now I'm building on it building on it
3: yeah I mean it, it definitely does but you have to kind of control yourself and your emotions with um even when you do have good days and McDermott always talks about that, you know, are you are you really high today or are you really low? You know, and he you know, he kinda challenges us not to, you know, just study being super high and super low, but just, you know, constant stacking days are just like a constant, you know, progression in your game and your mentality. So, you know, even after a real good day, you know, our coaches do a real good job of, you know, kind of nitpicking and always finding stuff that we could get better on and, you know, us as players, you know, we hold ourselves accountable in that way too.
4: rookie year? Yeah,
3: um, I mean, definitely I, th- I think it is. And I also think that's part of um, a mindset thing for me. You know, um, my rookie year, you know, I kind of talked about it a little bit, but, you know, I was, I think I was a little bit too focused on oh, who's making the team and who's not and counting numbers and all this stuff. And, you know, recently I just felt like I've gone over there with the mentality of just, um, you know, stacking days and going 110% every day and, you know, letting the coaches figure out the rest. What's your
4: experience been like? Because obviously the injury and the practice squad, like, some
3: frustration just trying to get out? Yeah, uh, I mean, definitely, you know, I feel like last year training camp, I was having a good training camp, uh, you know, until preseason one game where I got hurt. So, you know, that was real frustrating and it was a, a mental battle for me. So uh, I tried to, you know, just learn as much as I can through it and, um, you know, just really prepare myself for, for this year and this offseason. And, you know, I told myself that, you know, I can't really... I can I can prevent you know some of the injuries, some soft tissue stuff, but major stuff I can't really prevent that. So you know I just went out there with the mindset of just control what I can control and really go all out every day. You kind of
0: mentioned that that mindset, and that experience. What do you feel like yeah. you really did learn from going through that especially Now, when
3: you're that? I mean, a, a lot of patience. Um, you know, I learned a lot of stuff mentally, but also just you know watching these guys, you know, day in and day out. I mean, being in a room with Diggs and Gabe and everyone is you know, and all the vets that we've had last year Emmanuel Sanders and before that you know John Brown and Cole Beasley and just everyone I mean you learn so much just from route running playbook I mean Josh is a great leader in himself, and you know whether you're a practice squad guy or you know you're a starter you know he treats people the same with the same love and uh joking energy and everything so um you know it's it's a great team to be on that big catch
4: you had in preseason game number one um just what did that feel like for you and what
3: do you think that says about your team yeah um the the quarter before that, I think I, I ran, like, a really good route, probably my best route that whole game, and I had I had dropped it on, on the slant, and I was really frustrated in that. And um, a couple of the vets, you know, came over to me and, you know, just kept me in it. And so, you know, I kind of give credit to them because, you know, I was kind of getting down on myself, and they were like, you know, fourth quarter, you know, you're, you're going to make a play, you know, just keep pushing. So um, to make a play like that, you know, a, a big catch in a game like that was uh, meant everything to me, and, you know, it's definitely a confidence booster as well. What does it take mentally, physically to become a good special teams player? Uh, I mean, literally what you said that first part, mentally, it's just literally a mindset. You know, you talk a lot with Smiley about it and everything. It's just a literal mindset of just like, you know, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to make this tackle or I'm going to get off this block or no matter who big, you know, how big this guy is in front of me, you know, I'm going to block him. And it's just a mindset of like, if this is what I have to do to make the team, you know, I'm going to do it
4: this last game just in terms of getting more live action
3: reps I mean it's it's always gonna um, help people out like me you know who are you know kind of like last guys to you know try to make this roster and guys who you know are uh, fighting for playing time and stuff so you know the more experience I could get you know the more playing time the more reps um, you know it's going to help me out in the long run. You've gotten better as special teams coverage person I I feel like I've definitely improved a lot and I still have a a lot more to go and a lot of improving but you know I mean our special teams room is full of dogs and great guys I mean from Saran to you know Maticavich and um, you know Tyrell Dawson just like everybody I mean just watching those guys and how hard they go um, you know really motivates me and helps me out as well
4: numbers and kind of looking into that like how do you what do you how do you approach
3: that I mean you know the the coaches you know they they have their own process and you know there's always surprises every year you know people think they know and then you know last second things happen so you know I try not to wrap myself in that too much because I just feel like it's going to throw me off mentally if I go into this next game just thinking oh if I do this or don't do this it's going to you know affect the the outcome, then I feel like it's just going to throw off my game. So, you know, I'm just going into this game just with a clear mindset of just, you know, playing this game like it's my last game and going all out and learning the numbers and the, you know, roster spots, you know, speak for it after.
1: All right, that's Isaiah Hodgins addressing the media there. You heard him address how he feels he's come along in the special team side of the game. He feels like he's made some improvements, still feels like he's got a long way to go. And... It's a tricky thing right now for him. It's not like the want to is not there. He wants to do everything in his power to make this roster. It's just he's, he's in an uphill battle right now because there's, there's a guy at his position that's got more experience on special teams and is more proven on special teams than Jake Kumaro. and then we have receiver talent that is entrenched on this roster. It makes for a very difficult path to clear. Uh, for Isaiah Hodgins, who on maybe 10 or 12 other NFL rosters might be a shoo-in to make a 53. We have to take a break here, but when we come back, more post-game practice sound for you as James Cook will be addressing the media following practice here. We'll bring him to you next on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. We don't want to wait any longer. We have to go back to the post-practice lectern where addressing the media at this time is rookie running back James Cook. Let's get to the second-round pick.
2: Out there for your very first kickoff in an NFL uniform, that first preseason game. What was that like for you?
6: Um, I mean, it was a dream come true, you know, just living out my dreams. becoming an nfl player and you know i mean it was just fun you know just to suit up my first year my first time really
4: obviously you know a lot about the nfl from your brother from the people you train with from you know training to get here for a long time have you found out anything you didn't know about the nfl in your first month and a half of training camp or whatever it's been
6: oh not really just learning new things you know like like learning new schemes and learning how to like different calls and stuff like that, really. The ball, you can catch it when you need it to.
4: Where do you see yourself fitting
6: in on the O-line? Um, you know, just trying to do whatever to help the team win. You know, that, that could be running back, receiver, O-line, if I could, you know, just help the team win. Not sure the question's been asked, but uh, how are you getting acclimated, you know, to the NFL level, come from college. You know, Georgia is kind of a NFL program. I mean, yeah, NFL program. Just how you getting acclimated? How you even getting used to being here in Buffalo? Um, you know, just out there grinding really every day. Just, just getting custom of the speed, you know. I mean, I came from the SEC, so, you know, it was kind of fast, but it was a little different up here.
4: Not getting too high and getting too low. You seem like a pretty mellow, low-key guy. Is that something that you think you do well of, of not getting too high or not getting too low?
6: Yeah, I just try to stay mutual, you know, do everything, you know, good and the bad, just stay mutual. And and, and, and like a football term, just play the next play or just keep going. Yeah, it's kind of funny, (laughs) kind of funny kind of funny I mean you know they good but they good guys though I'm learning from them each and every day and I mean we all getting better every day. I
4: feel like you guys have complementary skill sets because from the outside it seems like maybe somebody's really good at one thing but another guy can do nothing else does it feel like you guys kind of mesh well together in that
6: sense? I mean you know we all different in our own ways um you know some some people gonna stick their head in there and get tough yards I mean we all gonna do that but you know, we just all different in our own way, like as running backs, period. How
4: do you feel you're uh, progressing as a pass protector? What's to pick up? Uh, what are some of the big
3: things you're working on there?
6: Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm doing good. You know, just just trying to stack days, really. Um, no particular, I'm just, I, but I know I'm getting better though, but I'm just keep stacking days and, and trying to get better each and every day in what I do in, in every phase. What do you think about going on? And
4: you had one-on-ones against Tremaine. I mean, obviously, he's a uh,
6: pretty big time. Huh? Yeah, I went against everybody. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, he's he just long.
4: Jermains, uh, there aren't too many Jermains Yeah, I mean, he's of kind of them.
6: big and long and athletic for his for his size. I mean, he, we all get better each and every day, and and he pushes us.
4: If you were able in the Denver game, you know, you had three good runs, first team three times. You got the corner twice, I think. Um, just what was, you uh, what
6: went right there and wasn't good
4: uh, you know, be able to show your
6: um, speed to the edge. Not really. It just it's just the read that I had um the end spiked in, so I I had to of course I had to bounce it outside. So you know it was just my all about my reads and, and who I'm reading ready.
1: All right, that's James Cook, who uh, as Brandon Bean has said, is pretty chill off the field, but when the lights are on he's ready to go and you got a taste of that there. Yeah. He is chill. Very
2: chill. He was, <laughs> he's like Is he okay, awake? he's like how was it returning stand back there opening kickoff returning? He's like, um, it was a dream, well, come it true. dream come true. Yeah.
3: I was like, <laughs> okay, bro. <laughs> Somebody pinched that guy. Yeah. Uh,
1: but when again when, when he's got his helmet on in between the lines, he's ready to go. He plays fast as we fast. have seen.
2: He plays fast. Um, so
1: good for him. Yeah. Uh, let's get back to the tweet sheet though, as we have been asking you. For your one bold roster prediction for the Bills. And we were up to, I believe it was Jonathan, Mm. who said, "...with how well Terrell Bernard has been, has the team ever thought about using Edmonds as a pass rusher? I faintly remember them doing this and him looking good. He has a freakish athletic build and sometimes wonder if that's his strength." In college at Virginia Tech, he did line up at the outside linebacker position and sometimes was standing up on the line. So it is not a foreign thing for him by any means. And with the trouble that the Bills had last year getting consistent pressure rushing their front four, he and Milano were used a good bit along right. with Jordan Poyer for that matter in blitz packages. And and he, he availed himself pretty well in that area. You got a 6 foot 5 condor coming at you as a quarterback.
2: Uh, good luck getting a pass off. Well, it's the same thing with, you know, Greg Rousseau and A.J. Epinesa. Those two guys um, yep. are really tall pass rushers. So they're kind of the same mold as, as Tremaine. But I, they're not going to move Tremaine around at all. He is where he is. He's in the middle of the defense. He's going to call the defense. And Bernard is not going to take his spot and move him out of there. Uh, if Bernard is here, it's because he can back up Tremaine and probably also Milano and run um, on teams. He remember this is a, this is a group. Uh, this is a coaching staff that when Milano got hurt, AJ Klein came in to, to spell him. He came in for him uh, in 2020. Same thing happened. If Tremaine Edmonds goes out, AJ Klein was in for him. You can bet Bernard is of that same ilk. He's probably going to be the first linebacker in no matter who comes off the field for any reason. So at least that's what it looks like. Um, so, no, they're not going to move Tremaine Edmonds someplace else to get Bernard on the field, I don't think. Not, not as a yeah. rookie. And I think, too, well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. If
1: this team wasn't flush with young, promising defensive ends.
2: And Von, Miller. Maybe,
1: there's, and Von <laughs> Miller. maybe there's a package where you deploy Edmonds in that way for a play or two in a given game if you feel he gives you a matchup advantage. But that is not the case here with this roster, so I don't anticipate it either. Uh, Here we go from Jason. I saw a video a few weeks ago of Trey White jumping and running around, looking to be very well. If this video is true, why is there so much speculation surrounding his return for the season opener? Thanks, Chris and Steve. Awesome job. Well, Jason, while physically and structurally his knee might be sound, Uh, after its ACL repair, there is the final step, which is not only strength in the leg that mirrors the strength in his other leg, but it's also the endurance of that strength. And that is what he's presumably been working on for the better part of the last month or so. You know, now that he's about seven to eight months clear of surgery, you're usually in your final stages at this point where you're wor- just maybe explain how you have to build up endurance yeah. in the muscle and everything around the surgically repaired knee.
2: It's it a lot of it is as two things. One, your mind's ability to think of your knee as being normal again, even though it it doesn't feel the same.
1: The so-called mental hurdle. Yeah,
2: it you it's an, your new your body has to get used to the new finger quotes normal. Uh, because the knee's never you're never going to have it the same ever again. It can be good, just as strong, just as stable and all of that, but it will never feel like the old knee. It'll, you have to get used to that. And another thing is it's not just the fact you can run jump jump and all that. It also has to you have to be able to flex it, bend it all the way. And that's really difficult to do after surgery in fact. Range of motion. You're one of the about? most one of the most notable advances in recent years, maybe in the last decade or two, has been made by surgeons who began to flex the knee as soon as they were out of surgery your knee was being bent like that same day you remember how they used to cast it stiff when when you'd get your knee acl done now they put you in this thing that bends it whether you're awake or asleep it's always being moved while you you heal that is to help you get back quicker quicker. when you get it because when you run, your knee needs to flex and bend hard, and, and it doesn't after a major surgery like this. You got to get over that, and you know, I, so um, all of that stuff goes into the into the stew of how far along you are. Not only do you have to be able to, you know, lift weights with it and extend it with great strength you also have to be able to flex it and bend it back with full straighten it with full strength and bend it with full strength right. so all of that goes into the mix plus being able to move without thinking about the knee is a huge hurdle
1: and jason just because you saw a video of trey white jumping and running and looking great that video was what thirty seconds there's a difference between running and jumping for thirty seconds and playing sixty five snaps in an nfl game it's a huge difference and endurance is a giant part of that equation and that's what they're trying to build back into yeah.
2: Trey's leg right it's now. It's not just his leg either. His whole—I mean, he can't run. Oh, yeah. You can't run cardiovascular. So nobody, you know, that. he's sitting. You know, he sit there and do leg extensions all day, but his, you know, his lungs aren't getting anything out of it. So it's a total body. Tra- you got to get in a training camp, and he can't even football participate. Shape, so to yeah, speak. he can't participate. So he's got all of that stuff to go through as and, well.
1: And we heard Brandon Bean say that today that even if he was medically cleared and practicing tomorrow, you're not going to throw him into a preseason game because there is right. a ramp-up period that you have to put him through before he, before
2: he is quote-unquote game ready. Before we see Tredavious White on the football field, we're going to hear about him practicing for at least a couple of weeks before yeah. that happens. So there's a lot that will happen before Tredavious White you know suits up on game day. JT on the tweet sheet very
1: quickly says, with Ike Butker out the first four weeks and the trade of Ford, I could see Alec Anderson making this roster as a third stringer. Also, Baylin Specter will make the 53. He is a tackling machine and doesn't wait for the running back to come to him. I think he can play a similar role that A.J. Klein did. Well, That's, that's well and good, but I, I think Tyrell Dotson right now has the edge in being the next A.J. Klein. He can come in and back up both spots. Tyrell Bernard is right behind him. And then you have to talk about Maticavich as the special teams linebacker specialist. That leaves Spector as your sixth linebacker. Is he on the roster? I'm not certain.
2: Right. And he could. Certainly he's a candidate for the practice squad.
1: You and I have liked Alec Anderson, but well,
2: I, don't, maybe I don't know Alec, if he's a 53-man roster guy either. Maybe Alec Anderson gets closer because of the Cody Ford trade. Right. And but, the Ike Butker designation. And the Ike Butker, yes, all of that. But – That's a long way from the 53. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen him taking reps with maybe the twos, but it's the twos and threes that he's been working at. But he's you and I both liked him. We both noted it. I just think he might
1: be on the long-term path, not the short-term Well, he's neck
2: deep in a really tough room. Yeah. So we'll see.
1: Break time for us. Steve and I will wrap it up with some of your final thoughts on the tweet sheet as far as your bold roster move for the Bills. We're back in a second here on One Bills Live. Back One Bills Live. Final thought on the tweet sheet for your one bold roster call for the Bills. Vince, based on camp and playing time in two preseason games, I could see O.J. Howard as a trade option. Quentin Morris and Tommy Sweeney have stood out more. They also play special teams. Howard, not so much. This team values versatility. You're right about versatility. O.J. Howard has some guarantees in his contract that would make releasing him cost prohibitive not saying they couldn't do it um if you wanted to trade him I guess that is an option um that would alleviate some of the cap hit because the yeah, team I mean, you move
2: him to would inherit some of the salary if you trade him if you trade him you get like what 1.4 give or take 1.25 yeah. in in Relief. dead cap but you'd also get or 1.8 in cap savings because he's making what three million or three and and a half, I think. All right, so you'd probably get two million dollars in cap savings, but you can. But here's the thing if you trade him to another team, you can trade him for future considerations, and the trade still counts, you still get that camp. So, whatever you can get for him, you can do it. Uh, It comes down to Is there somebody interested? But, yeah, all these guys were at that point. It's a tough roster to make, and you got some value here. You can get what you can get back for. Tough
1: decisions ahead for sure. Steve and I back tomorrow at 1. We'll see you then.